video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Hello, my name is Justin the Clue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs that have arrived at the Bay Street Video Store. I should add that last part when I say this, because people may be like... Yes, not that actually come out in any given week, just that what arrives on our front door. Sometimes they do. Yeah, most of the time they do, unless it's like kino product <laughs> was there ever a time where like everything that was supposed to come out that a week did arrive in the store at the right date and there were never any delays yeah i think at one point when i first started at this job uh you know a decade ago now jesus christ um you know it was a little it was a little less complicated in just the sense that we were dealing with less suppliers of product there were only really like two suppliers we were dealing with mm. like a domestic canadian supplier and an import supplier. And that was it. So basically between the two of them, and there wasn't, specialty releases weren't that huge of a thing back then either. So a lot of it was just like new movies coming out, studio product, classics put out by studio. So you weren't getting like the arrow, like had a criterion was the big name in the game. And that was sort of it back then. Even Show Factory wasn't like huge back then. So um, in terms of that stuff, I mean, that studio stuff would always show up by street date, no problem. So it was only the import stuff that sometimes maybe lagged, but that was just like smaller titles. Nowadays, we get from so many different suppliers, so many different labels. There's always so many delays are coming from all over the place that, yeah, it's like we maybe get like 50, 60 percent of our product in on time these days. Mm. So always look at that list, ladies and gentlemen, before you uh, decide to go out. Yeah, but, you know, it always does show up eventually. So this week is a light week. So we'll do our best to uh, give you the entertainment that you deserve, because in the cult section, we only have one movie. Pressure's on. Pressure's on. (laughs) Big one. Yeah, one big one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's The Veil, the new movie from Phil Janou. The director of the very good Three O'Clock High. So yeah, I guess this is like maybe a little more like a new movie since it only came out in 2016. Uh, But this did come out on DVD at that point. Uh, It is a Blumhouse production that I believe Universal put out uh, straight to VOD. It never, uh, never hit theaters. Uh, and for some reason, Kino Lorber Studio Classics has picked this one up for a re-release. Were people Blu-ray. asking for it? Were they like, I need this? Nobody's been asking for this movie. I didn't even know this movie existed until I got this listing. And I usually am pretty like up to date with new horror movies coming out, especially like trash ones. But I don't remember this crossing my radar at all back in 2016 or around that even time. though you have your finger on the phil Janu pulse I, and everything I do. he did direct the very good uh inspirational football movie gridiron gang with the uh the rock and ex- it's good Ooh, yeah. i actually really like that movie even though the the final is like they won this game and then lost the next one and that was I feel it like i kind of like sports movies that do that though you know it's a little more realistic right they don't go all the way they just like win one sort of important game it's about that one victory that's the yeah, thing that matters about, the most like the um the spiritual victory of them all coming together you know but uh but yes, yeah, so Phil Jonu is, you know, he made some stuff in the 90s. He made Gridiron Gang, 
done a lot of TV, and now this, I guess, has been his most recent film. I guess Blumhouse contacted for him for this, and this is a movie about a... Do- Stop me if you've heard this one before. A documentary crew follows a... I stop! Don't... Stop! Please! <laughs> follows the survivor of a Jonestown-like cult. And when I say Jonestown-like, it's basically exactly Jonestown. The, uh, the leader of this cult is played by Thomas Jane, and his name is Jim Jacobs, so... And the way this cult died is they literally (laughs) all drank the Kool-Aid. So they're not really hiding anything here. They might as well have just called it the Jonestown murders. Um, And basically, so there was one survivor played by Lily Rabe, and now she's an adult. uh, And she takes this documentary crew led by none other than Jessica Alba. We all like Jessica Alba, right? Is she like an anti-vaxxer? She seems like one of those people. I feel like she might be, you know? (laughs) I feel like those kind of actors usually turn out that way. What was her fall from grace? I don't know. I don't even remember. Like, I remember her doing, like, I feel like the most recent thing I remember her doing is, like, Into the Blue. But, like, how long ago was that? Oh, yeah, she was in uh, Fantastic Four. She was in Sin City. She was in Dark Angel. Who can forget Dark Angel? I mean, that's where I first kind of uh kind of liked her i was a big fan of dark angel when i was a kid um that's sort of where i first noticed her i guess but yeah she had that period she was the... in little fockers i guess yeah, yeah what's just... she done in the last decade besides this uh, movie sh- not much right not much uh i she was in the killer inside me in 2010 and then pretty much whatever robert rodriguez project came up well she somehow got into the Blumhouse uh, crew for this one. Oh, and... wait. She stars in L.A.'s Finest, the Bad Boy spinoff. Right. Which I have not seen an episode of. And she also stars in an upcoming film called Trigger Warning. Uh-oh. Wow. That's, that should be good. That should be. <laughs> so maybe she is an anti-vaxxer, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, this uh, Trigger Warning is written by Josh Olson, the guy who did, um, who does the movies that made me podcast with Joe Dante, which I really uh, like. Okay. But okay. Uh, Josh, if you're listening, that's not a good title. <laughs> like... Yeah, there's a lot of trailers. I mean, there's a horror movie coming out soon called that we'll be getting at the store called Triggered also that, you know, people really like using that trigger as like a kind of cheeky sort of joke title it's like uh yeah oh how could you forget that jessica alba was in the entourage movie as herself as well so oh okay i've never actually seen anything in entourage past the pilot i assume you've seen everything though i've seen i I actually have and that's really sad i know because that seems like the kind of stuff that you would be all into anyway so the veil though right uh, so yeah they go back to the site of this massacre which apparently i guess police haven't done anything with because it's basically like left untouched for like the last 20 years and they just filmed this documentary and wouldn't you know there's ghosts there and there's a lot of cgi ghoulies that pop up and shout and then disappear and honestly i kind of fell asleep about an hour into this movie and then (laughs) from terror you're like ah i know and then i woke up haphazardly kind of at the end there's a lot of noise so uh this was just really really boring i mean it takes like a good half hour for them to even like get to the camp and for like anything to happen and then so half of the movie is them at this camp and then half of the movie is flashbacks to back when um the the, this cult was actually big and thomas jane was leading it and so you get all these like hammy flashbacks with thomas jane like fully decked out in like cult leader attire uh doing you know what thomas jane does best chewing the scenery not terrifying pretty, you said. yeah this is a pretty run-of-the-mill blumhouse movie i can definitely see why it went straight to vod 
I really don't know why Kino put this out. So I would love to know somebody at Kino Lorber. Please tell me who's a fan of the Veil. Vale I mean, this was 2016 was right prime in the Blumhouse uh, director's jail canon where like a bunch of failed directors were getting their shot at making like a low budget like um, M. Night and the guy who did Legion made that Dark Skies movie with the amazing trailer where the guy's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that too. Never saw that movie, but I remember that trailer. That guy directed three films in quick succession, Legion, Priest, and Dark Skies. Oh, right. Legion and Priest, which basically looked like the exact same movie. Oh, Legion is boring, but Priest is great. Even though Legion got a TV series. Uh, the world is a complicated place. No, I, was gonna say, I don't know why this is coming out right now. Don't but, ask you know, again, because then the ghost of Thomas Jane will appear. <laughs> I, know, I want to know. I want to know. Well, I'll, Blumhouse completists out there. <laughs> there go. are no Blumhouse completists. <laughs> I feel like there's got to be one Blumhouse completist. Yeah, there. you have to have seen that Sean William Scott movie where he plays Dexter. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think the Netflix exclusive with the um, Creature from the Black Lagoon ripoff. Right, right. There's a lot. There is actually a lot. So moving on, we're in the classic section, and I have not seen any of these, so I will run through them as uh, quickly. Stop me if you've seen them. Like, I think you've seen one of these. But, uh, but we'll get to oh, I have. I've seen the last one on this list. <laughs> I saw it in theaters on my birthday. Yeah, the true classic yeah. on this list. Yeah. So Seven Sinners from 1940. This is a film starring Marlene Dietrich. Uh, she's a torch singer who wows a Navy officer played by John Wayne and his shipmates at a South Seas cafe. Yeah, haven't, uh, haven't seen Is it that. about an orgy? Because they're seven sinners? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Seems pretty risque. I mean, Marlena Dietrich did some risque stuff for the time, right? Yep, she did. All right, <laughs> that's all we got. <laughs> yeah, John Wayne. John, well, we got more John Wayne coming up. Because so. we got the Shepherd of the Hills. A young man seeks to murder his father the, that abandoned his mother, yet fate plays a hand when a stranger appears. Are you a John Wayne guy? <laughs> nope, not at all. Yeah, John Wayne never really did it for me. I think I maybe have only seen True Grit and Big Jake, I feel like, are the only two. <laughs> You haven't seen John his Wayne. 3D Western, Hondo? No, never seen. Yeah, just John Wayne just always seemed like such a prick to me because he was. Oh, yeah, because um, he was a prick. And he just never, and I mean... I mean, I'm not a Western guy, so that pretty much solves that mystery. Yeah, I think that kind of uh, nips that in the bud. But you have seen his Genghis Khan picture, right? (laughs) (laughs) I did not. I did not. You love films that were shot on irradiated. You know the story about his Genghis Khan film, right? Yes, that's the one, right? Yeah, yeah. That killed, like, the entire cast and crew because they shot on, like, irradiated ground. Good for them, you know? Safety protocols in in, uh, in place. Uh, Shepherd of the Hills, though, it's from the underdog mascot of the Basement Video Podcast, Henry Hathaway. Yep, yep. We get a lot of his joints in And moving on, we have Mr. Topaz, a.k.a. I Like Money. This is one directed by Peter Sellers, where he plays an honest French teacher who is fired after refusing to alter the bad grades of a baroness's grandson. Whoa, uh, there are so many Peter Sellers movies. Like, it's crazy. So I guess this is a lost one. I don't know. They have it on on the front cover. They say the long lost Peter Sellers movie. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'd never heard of this one. Uh, I mean, speaking of pricks. Oh, man, Peter Sellers. Um, I like the original title a little more. I like money. Why don't they just stick with that? I don't that know. sounds like a real Simpsons joke. It's like, I like money. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, film movement. Uh, I guess they just, you know 
came across this Peter Sellers film and figured they couldn't pass up the chance. We got so much to say about these classics. I know. This is a real pulse-pounding episode. I hope this is the first one people... Guys, uh, stay tuned for the end because we'll have just general recommendations. We're going to pull out of our butts. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to spice it up a little bit. Maybe I'll talk about uh, stuff that... Sometimes I talk about a Blu-ray on this podcast that I have know nothing about. Mark sells it to me and then I pick it up and I watch the movie. Then I have different opinions on it. So moving on, we have Josie and the Pussycats, the complete series Uh, okay wait so this is the animated show right and not the one where they go to space i know we've had one of these like every week for the last few weeks yeah last week was the flintstones and i didn't even get to make my joke i remember when i was editing it that i used to watch it in french and it was called le pierre à feu which is a much funnier name for some reason it is i like that Uh, yeah, I mean, man, I guess if you're a Hanna-Barbera completist, like, or Archie completist. Yeah, I mean, they're out there. These sell. These sell like crazy, man. So we also have A Cat in Paris. This is a French animated film. It's about a living, a little girl living in Paris, gets involved with a group of gangsters, and it's up to her cat, Dino, who I hope is a Dean Martin impersonator, to come to her rescue. Or he's an impersonator of everyone's favorite um, domesticated dinosaur on the Flint. Wait a minute. In the Flintstones, the dinosaurs can talk, though. Yeah, right? Or can Is they? he like I a Pluto? Know. Like he lost the war, the great dino war, and they've been enslaved. It's a living. Isn't that a joke on the on like uh, an episode of Robot Chicken, which seemingly still exists? Where like I have to say, I've never seen an episode of Robot there's a Chicken, joke I where think. like I think it's Barney murders Fred for his fruity pebbles, and because everything is alive, he's like witnesses, <laughs> and he has to kill them all. That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's a funny joke. Uh, yeah, what? how come it's not G-Kids that is putting this out? What's going on? Well, it is. I think it is. I think it's G-Kids and Shout. I think I just forgot to write G-Kids in there. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so Shout's putting out a few of these recent... So yeah, Cat in Paris was about a decade ago that came out. Um, it was a big hit at the time. I feel like it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Feature at the time. Well, you know what? I, I didn't see it, and I didn't see any of the other animated films on this list so, yeah, either. We also got Chico and Rita, which I believe was also nominated for an Academy Award, maybe that same year. So I, I don't know what <laughs> they're just getting, you know, they got the rights to all these all of a sudden. Um, and then the probably the biggest one on this list is The Secret of Kells. This is from Tom Moore, who would go on to do Song of the Sea. And then most recently, he did Wolfwalkers, which is getting a lot of, cl- of acclaim right now. So this was his big, I think, debut feature uh, Irish animated film that was a huge hit about a decade ago. I saw this one at the time. I thought it was uh, really good. It was The animation was stunning. I'm shocked because of your anti-Irish uh, political opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I hate the Irish. Um but I, but I love Irish animation. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a, yeah. <laughs> the paradox you live with every day. Yeah, You're a man of uh, contradictions. <laughs> uh, but this is a fun one. Uh, Blu-ray, uh, there was a Blu-ray of this initially, but it's been out of print for a while. So if you missed out on that, and because his new film's getting a lot of acclaim, I'm sure this will appeal to people all over again. But I would say check it out. It's it's really good. And it's, like they say, fun for the whole family. And speaking of stuff that's fun for the whole family, we have <laughs> the release of the terrible 
uh, Barry Levinson film, Man of the Year, starring Robin Williams. <laughs> Terrible? Is it that bad? I never saw. Oh this man, one. I saw this on my birthday, like because nothing was happening, and me and a college friend, he's like, "Hey, I'll take you out to a movie, Justin." And there was like nothing playing, so we saw Man of the Year. Oh come on now, we I, like, I know that you specifically planned to see this one on your birthday. Come oh on. no, it's right up there with me seeing Corky Romano in theaters as like the great like, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, were you uh, trying to be a Robin Williams? Williams completist or something at the time what I don't know I think it was I think it it was like what is Robin Williams up to these days like I loved him so much when I was a kid but 2006 like oh man those are some real doldrum years because like RV his whole like I want to be serious uh phase House of D the big white the night listener white (laughs) yeah oh the night listener I saw that one too yeah he he had a rough few years there i I mean i remember this movie being i think i was i was working at rogers video and this came out so i definitely was subjected to the trailer more times than i would have liked um yeah didn't look uh didn't look that fun i remember nothing about it other than i didn't like it (laughs) so (laughs) it's funny actually this actually brings to mind the fact that you went to see it in theaters uh because we talked about harsh times recently and how i went to see that theaters i remember that when we went to theaters that day, me and my friends, it was between Harsh Times and Man of the Year, actually. <laughs> you were trapped between a poop sandwich and you could just pick whichever slice of bread you want to eat. Yeah, exactly, right? We chose Harsh Times, which was, I guess, maybe the better choice? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it was probably the better choice, yes. Even though your friends wanted to leave because they hated it so <laughs> my friends, much. Yeah, my friends never spoke to me again after that day. <laughs> and that's why Mark has no friends now. All right, so maybe there's going to be a pick me up here with the new stuff yeah we got some stuff here yeah Uh, take the lead man we've got antebellum which i guess is like as close to a theatrical movie as you're gonna get this year um did you see this no i did not everybody who did said it wasn't good yeah kind of intrigued when i first heard about it and then it just kind of seemed to get the same reception that a lot of like mid-tier Blumhouse type movies get although I don't think this is a Blumhouse movie this is just produced by it's not it's Lionsgate trying to be Blumhouse really trying to yeah be. I mean the premise I mean it's you always got to be a, a bit wary when you know they're using you know topics like antebellum as horror movie fodder I guess yeah yeah I don't know. I mean, I've heard mixed things. I heard some people who really thought it was a fun time, some people who hated it, some people who thought it was in the middle. So, I mean, it's kind of the only one of the only new new movies coming out right now. So, you know, if you need some, it was new... meant for like a theatrical release and didn't get one. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you're looking for something new that you could have seen in theaters, here you go. Uh, other than that, we got TV coming up. British TV. The Crown, season three, which... Ah, there's nothing I love more than the royalty, British people, and rich people. No, thank you. I know. The problem with this show is that Netflix has the rights to this in the in the US and Canada, so they have it on Netflix for, like, a year before they finally get it released on DVD. Season three only came out a few uh, months ago? Uh, I think it's been out longer than that, because we've been getting asked at the store for ever for for this because basically all the (laughs) it's on netflix just watch it on there i know well but older folks don't know how to work netflix that's what they don't understand they want the dvds so then how do they know this show is out there do they hear about it on the CBC? <laughs> I think old people just have a sense, have a sixth sense for British television, you know? Ooh, they sense when The Crown is coming out in the new season. <laughs> the Crown. I, I sense, I, I can smell it in the air. Do you put, yeah, because you put posters of, like, uh, Dame Judi Dench in your windows knowing that, like, flies to, a, like, a, 
a moss to a flame. Oh, yeah. Well, they'll flock to us. Uh, and then speaking of delayed British television, we finally also have Fleabag Season 2 in, which, again, has been available on Amazon Prime and what have you for, God, at least a year now, right? Over a year, a year Why don't and a half. they just put it out, like, even when it comes out on, you know, their service? Because they're not cutting into their margins. It's not like people are going to be buying the disc. Maybe it's a library thing. Is that like that's where most people would rent this kind of I stuff? I think that's it. And I think they are really trying to maybe not phase out DVDs, but they just I think they're trying to get people used to the fact that like streaming is the future. But they tried that and then they kind of came crawling back to DVD and Blu-ray. Because remember, Netflix had a mandate for a long time. No, nothing on DVD and or Blu-ray. And then they kind of broke that because it's mostly with stuff that they had, they've produced with other companies. Like I know House of Cards, you know, like was co-produced with, I think, Sony or something. And so in that case, I guess Sony Wasn't has... Bojack Horseman a straight up Netflix production That's though? In, well, Show Factory put that out on disc. So maybe, Oh, yeah. they did. Okay. So they have to do co-productions. That's so weird. It's like Gravity Falls having to work with Shout. It's like yeah. Disney has no branch that can do it themselves i don't know i i don't know i mean with fleabag this has been put out by screen media so i don't know how they got the right they're a smaller company so i don't know how they got the rights when like amazon prime basically owns it for streaming like forever but and the the problem with these two is the price points are ridiculous like fleabag is not a long show at all like each season comprises i think like three hours of content and yet each season costs about $50 if you want to buy it. So you're $50. $50. So you're spending like, uh, so they did release a complete series set alongside season two, which is like a little bit more. But if you bought season one and now you're buying season two, you basically spent $100 on a show that runs like six hours total. All right. So moving on, we got the Bureau season five. I feel like you explained this to me and I've already forgotten. It's the X-Files one, right? No, this is a very popular French show with Matthew Kasovitz as basically Oh, a, so it's Le Bureau. Le Bureau, yeah. Basically, he is some sort of uh, government agent investigating terrorism and stuff. Again, this is a wildly popular show, so... Yeah, so if you're, you know, if you're into the Bureau, you're already into it. Come on in. Oh, God, five. wait, did you say he's checking out terrorists? I think it's a, ter- I think it's a terrorism show. Yeah, that's I a real believe. threat right now. Yeah, I know, exactly. It's like an arted up European terrorist show. <laughs> it's like 24 if it's like arted I guess up. Like, I guess like hunting down like um, terrorists is like the World War Two of modern day, like... <laughs> This is the real threat. So yeah, he's done, apparently his character's done six years of undercover work in Syria. So now he's back in France and, you know, trying to get on with his life or something. <laughs> Obviously it, has, it hasn't happened yet because we're on we're season five. We're on season five. five. Uh, but... Oh, Matthew Kasovitz, whatever happened to the guy that made La Haine, I know, uh, right? Gothica and Babylon AD? Well, he got fired from that movie. I, I remember being super excited to see Gothica when it came out just because... I liked La Haine so much. And I also liked Dark Castle movies. So, you know, it was a perfect mix. <laughs> and, and he was the romantic interest in uh, Amélie, the uh, Jeune movie. Yeah, very cute in that movie. So, I don't know. I mean, people, again, people love this show. So I guess he's doing fine. But next we've got uh, season one of Nancy Drew. So we've got a new Nancy Drew hey, show. you remember Nancy Drew? Now, it's like Twin Peaks. Oh, you mean like Riverdale? Uh, yes. And that new Hardy Boys show that's coming out on Hulu? 
yeah. <laughs> kind of like Veronica Mars, I guess, too, sort of. Yeah, yeah and like know? Veronica Mars, but like Twin Peaks. I hear this one's more grounded than uh, Riverdale, which is like really soapy and crazy. Uh, you're going to get that CW quality here if you're if you're into that. <laughs> if you're into that. I like the CW quality. It's like serious. Uh, all these properties that the people watching them probably have no association with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so moving on, we've got some more movies for the old folks here, because I don't think either... You nothing or wrong me... with that. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. We've got Misbehavior, uh, which is a British film with Kira Knightley and a whole bunch of other people, British actors, about the Miss World competition in 1970. Oh, I yeah, I heard about this. This was supposed to get a theatrical release as well, right before COVID it hit. It was, yeah. Now Show Factory is actually putting it out. So I don't know if they had plans on doing a theatrical and then it just fell through. But yeah, this definitely seems like the kind of movie that would have been a hit with a certain crowd. Um, but yeah, we've got that on the shelf now. Uh, otherwise, we've got Blackbird, which is with Susan Sarandon. It's the new Roger Mitchell film, who you'll probably know as the director of Notting Hill. He wrote uh, Love Actually. He's huge British director. And now he's directing a feel-bad movie about a mom who learns she has terminal cancer, I think, and wants to get the family back together for one last hurrah. So. <laughs> but I'm sure it's a heartwarming bummer. A heartwarming bummer. You know, apparently it's a remake of a Danish film from 2014. Watch the original, please. I know, yeah. So I've never heard of the original film. I don't know, maybe... So we've also got I Am Woman, which is the biopic of Helen Reddy, uh, the famous Australian-American singer, songwriter, activist in the 70s. Um, so this is, yeah, another one that just kind of went under the radar, I guess, because of co I feel like a lot of these movies may have gotten bigger releases or more acclaim, but have just totally kind of died in COVID times, you know? Then we've got Carmilla, which is a vaguely sort of like vampire it seems like it's doing like a classier vampiros lesbos type of thing for a new generation but also directed by a female director so i feel don't like don't we get characters... that like every few years wasn't that kiss of the damned yeah <laughs> as well we, you know it was it was i mean at least that was like that was like eight years ago now so i mean the time is time is right by zan cassavetes yeah i mean i've heard good things about this one i hear it's really atmospheric super like you know what zoppy. i'm gonna have to give this uh there are so many movies called carmilla like it's wild there is a hyper popular i don't know if it's still around canadian web series card called carmilla that like yeah people love that series yeah what can i say it's a generic title a generic title but speaking of generic titles we've got speed of life i don't know that sounds exciting that to sounds me exciting uh actually this one sounds kind of interesting it stars Anne dowd and it's about it's sort of like a sci-fi drama about David Bow about the day that David Bowie dies, a wormhole is ripped open in the universe, and so I know, like right now, like I don't even know where this plot is going. Um, but then this guy goes through it into a different time period, and it's it's some drama about loss and everything, but it's all connected to David Bowie. But I don't think David Bowie or a David Bowie impersonator is going to make an appearance. Oh no, you got to wait for uh, Stardust for that to happen. Oh man, speaking of lame titles. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Stardust, right? Like, didn't we just have a movie called Stardust? Uh, no, I think Stardust, the Matthew Vaughn film, came out. Mm, uh, God, almost fifteen years ago. I Jesus, bet. Jesus, wow! How time flies. <laughs> eh? Time yeah. flies when you're. We're the old people now. I know. Jeez. 
Um, but yeah, anyways, Love and Dowd, you know, she was great in Compliance, among many other movies. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm intrigued to give this one a try. Uh, next up, now we got a really generic title, A Regular Woman. Okay, but it's about a robot of some kind, right? <laughs> yeah. No, this is actually a really uh, serious film about a true story of... <laughs> no jokes, Justin. This is very serious. Put on your serious hat. But it's actually about an honor killing that took place in Germany, uh, a Turkish woman who was killed by her brother, I believe, after being after reporting him to the police. Um, so, yeah, serious, serious stuff here. Um, but, yeah, this is supposed to be really good. Again played a, a bunch on the festival circuit and now is just kind of sneaking out to dvd because there's no theaters to play well this there kind it is of in stuff, the states unfortunately the, the theaters are still open i just feel like the people who would like go see this movie are not the people who are going to theaters are right now not going to the theaters no um and then we've got some political documentaries coming up uh represent which follows three women who um try and uh, get into off political office in the Midwest. Uh, and then we've got Jimmy Carter, rock and roll president, which is... <laughs> that is such a funny title. <laughs> I know. Yet another Jimmy Carter. I feel like there's been two other Jimmy Carter. People want to remember the fun Democratic president, I guess. I know, I know. I don't know. We threw it on the I store. I mean, he's a one-term loser. <laughs> yeah. I, <know. laughs> I don't know. We threw it on in the store just at one point. <laughs> You're like, I want to rock out. Yeah, I want to rock out. And I heard Bono's voice at one point. I'm like, uh, Are you like, Ugh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The Irish. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just I just hate Bono for personal reasons. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and then we've got some art documentaries. We've got Ryuchi Sakamoto Koda, who and he, obviously he's a famous uh, composer. And this documentary was very popular about a year or two ago, and everybody was asking about it when it was coming out. We didn't know when. It's because Mubi actually picked up the rights to it and put it out. But now they're starting to put out some of their stuff in association with Kino. So. All, everybody was asking for this documentary about a year and a half ago. It's finally here. I hope you still <laughs> want it. Now they've forgotten and no one wants to see it. I know. We haven't really sold many, so I guess everybody's forgotten, unfortunately. Uh, and then we've got Botero, which is a documentary about the artist Fernando Botero, who's kind of been uh, related to Picasso's work. He, he makes really like cartoonish kind of outlandish figures that often are um, satirizing government systems, things like that. Um, I actually saw this movie because I had to review it back in January, I think. Like, so pretty close to when theaters were shutting down. It played around here. And it's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good rundown of this guy's life. And if you're – I really didn't know much about him before watching it. But his art is fantastic. It's really, it's really eye-catching. And he's a really interesting person. So, um, yeah. I'll check this out. Get some art history. <laughs> you Philistines. I know. Philistines out there. Uh, and then keeping with documentaries, although this is kind of like a docu-fiction hybrid, we've got Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, which is the new movie from the Ross brothers, who are amazing. If you don't know who they are, they've been making documentaries for about a decade now. They make really kind of like impressionistic uh, documentaries that do like stage certain aspects of their uh, stories. They made a film called Chupatulis about a couple of kids wandering through the New Orleans nightlife, uh, which is a fantastic movie. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Uh, they also made movies called uh, Western and Contemporary Color recently, both of which were really good. Uh, this one's really interesting because it basically takes place on a bar, a Las Vegas bar called the Roaring Twenties on its last day uh, before it closes down and all the regulars come back and they just kind of like shoot the shit and hang out and it's all takes place over the course of this one day. Really good stuff. Uh, but then you look into it and this bar actually does not exist at all. 
they shot it in a bar, obviously. They shot it in a bar in New Orleans, so it's not even in Las Vegas. Uh, and all the people in it are actual like bar flies and just like regular people but they're just people they've take they found in bars in new orleans and on the streets and creative types and they've got them all to come into this kind of like fictional bar setup to sort of like act versions of themselves and just have conversations and just kind of like be themselves on camera uh it's really fascinating stuff um i would highly recommend this one and uh it definitely is that perfect sweet spot of like blending documentary and fiction which i really dig and it's being put out by a company called utopia in association with vinegar syndrome actually which is kind of interesting because they don't usually do new movies that much and especially kind of like more artsy documentary type things like this so i guess this is maybe a new experiment for them Hmm, interesting I'm all for it. Vinegar Syndrome uh, wants to crush Kino in some way. But yeah, highly recommend this one. Definitely check it out. Uh, And then we've got A White, White Day from Film Movement, which is an excellent Icelandic film. It was blowing up the film festival circuit last year, and then it was playing a bunch of virtual cinema kind of things this year. Uh, It's from a director named Liener Palmason. I'm definitely mangling that name. Uh, But he made a movie called Winter Brothers a few years ago, which was also excellent. Uh, This one's kind of like your typical sort of like revenge story about a, a widowed police officer who finds out his wife may have been having an affair before she died and kind of like sets out on this sort of revenge plot but it definitely doesn't go the way you think it is and it's very much almost like a slow cinema approach to that so you don't really get all like the standard sort of beats and tension of that kind of story uh it's really really great and it's anchored by an amazing lead performance uh by the lead actor who i'm blanking on what his name is uh, but he's a big icelandic actor and uh yeah it looks beautiful it's just some of the shots are amazing and just amazingly hypnotic. how could you forget the name of ingvar uh, sigurdsson there it is you got it you got it i know how could I? How could I? He's fantastic in this, though. Um, so, yeah, highly, highly recommend this one as one of like kind of the arty film festival holdovers from last year that's finally coming out now from Film Movement. And then we've got Metro, which is a Russian movie about a flood in the subway tunnels. And there's a train that gets, I don't know. No, a Russian disaster a Russian movie. Russian disaster movie. As if we don't get enough of these already. But um, yeah, what Russian movies, they just keep on flying in here. This one's released by ITN. What company is that? Well, they're a strange company. They put out a lot of crap, but they also put out uh, American Martyr. Remember that movie that we watched? Oh, yeah. Um, Also known as regarding the case of Joan of Arc or whatever. So they put out some interesting stuff, but they mostly put out kind of like really low budget like horror crap but then they put out some like russian blockbuster stuff like this so i don't know this movie's actually i mean this is from 2013 <laughs> so uh yeah so i don't know where they found this one or how they came across this but i don't know it is a big budget russian action movie so if you're into that you know try it out uh and then we've got let's scare julie which is a new horror movie put out by shout uh which is always a good sign right no <laughs> <laughs> That is the stink of death. Uh, but yeah, the gimmick with this one is it's all shot in one take. And I take. hear it's very boring. You didn't watch this, Mark? You didn't You didn't throw yourself on this grenade like you usually do? I didn't. I didn't. I was thinking about it. You know, I was definitely intrigued. By it the was one... almost our blind buy this week. Yeah. You know, the one take gimmick almost got me. But then, Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I like... like that kind of stuff. Have you ever seen PVC one? I have. You know what? I thought of that one um, recently because I was, you know, reviewing a different movie about people with uh, 
bomb collars strapped to their necks. And I was like, you know what? PVC one. Yeah, that's what it's called, right? I always forget. What yeah, this episode made me reminded me that I have two feature films I shot like five years ago that I never completed. One of them, it's a Christmas movie that me and a pal shot in uh, a week. And it was all long seven minute takes. It was Ooh. like a, a Bellatar movie. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I really and like I, that. And I just never finished it. And I think it was on, I made like, it was like a an Easter egg on like one of the like impossible horror, like a limited edition or something like that at some oh, point. Okay, okay, cool. And cool. I did I did a Mumblecore movie where we drove up to Austin uh, when Donald Trump, uh, the election happened. And we were, me and my friend were in a hotel room and he won. And I never completed that movie either. Oh, man, I'd love to see these. You should I know. complete them. Uh, the, the, the long take one was fun because uh, there was takes where, like, it's the thing that you shouldn't do with long takes is that they were very complicated. So it would, like, start in a subway tunnel. Uh, like, someone gets off a subway, go up, walk, go to a park, a chase scene happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or something happens in the dark and it goes, like, all around an apartment. That's cool, though. That's But that's uh, speaking of this movie, I hear it is boring. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like like I said, I was intrigued at first, but, yeah, after you had kind of read some reviews saying it was boring, I read some reviews saying it's kind of boring. One of the top reviews is, I mean, there's more than one. It's, let's get bored. Let's bore Julie. <laughs> Like a lot of one star reviews, which is like, because I, I don't know. The setup's interesting. I, I was intrigued. I think it's about a group of kids who want to play a prank on Julie, I guess. And they so they kind of like go to her house, but then a couple of them disappear and weird things start to happen. You know, I can go with that. I can get into that. But yeah, if it's just going to be all gimmick and then like no actual like content to it, I mean that just that just sounds. If like people want to see a crazy one take movie, Victoria. Yeah, but, you know Victoria. I have to say though, Victoria, I, I like, but at a certain point, it just turns me off because the character. I don't believe the character's motivations or actions at all. I don't even remember point. what happens as far as their motivations or basically actions. once they complete like what they the crime. Uh, the way they behave after that seems so unrealistic to me. It, it kind of like takes me right also, out of it. Also, 138 so, minutes and you feel those minutes. It's so long, I know. But PVC1, like you were saying earlier, is a fantastic movie. Uh, really disturbing. Did that movies. director ever do anything else after know. that? Because yeah, you know what? We don't even have that at the store. I remember seeing that because we... You don't? It's on DVD. Did you guys sell it? No. Well, this was before my time. Because I remember seeing that when I was still working at Roger's Video back in the day. We got it in there. This would have been like over a decade ago, though. And I watched it. I was blown away by it. It's basically about a true story about a woman who in... I think in a Central American country, I can't remember exactly where, who wakes up with basically, yeah, like a pipe bomb strapped around her neck that's going to go off and she has to try and figure out how to get it off. Really like in your face and gritty. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We never had it here when I started working here. And I believe the DVD is long at a print now. I don't think they actually make it anymore. We used to have so. it at uh, Eyesore Cinema when I worked there. I remember I would always see it because it was up on the wall. Yeah, no, no, it definitely, you know got a release around that time and I don't know I guess people have just kind of forgotten about it but that's a good recommendation even though we don't have it at Bay Street have it so not (laughs) if you can find it somewhere highly recommend it maybe we can maybe the DVD is still in print maybe we can order it in I'll I'll have to look into it so the last movie on our list is Lake Michigan Monster which I always want to call Great Lake uh, Michigan Monster (laughs) and it's this week's Blind Boy 
Save the best for last, as always. And this is a new movie from Arrow. You know, we were making jokes about, like, if Shout Factory puts out a new movie, it's like, uh uh-oh. That is not the case with Arrow Video. No, not at all. They, they, when they put out a new movie, they definitely make a concerted effort to try and find something different, just off the beaten track, just something really interesting, which I don't always find. I feel like Shout Factory tries to go for stuff that is like a little too maybe audience pleasing up front, but then end up with movies that aren't very good at all. Yeah, I think um, that a Shout tries to find things that people will feel are familiar. Like if you look at the cover of Let's Care Julie, it's like neon. It's like someone wearing a mask. There's like a million different covers like that. Just look at the cover for like the dead ones. It's like exactly the same thing. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, while uh, uh, Arrow has done like uh, Lake Michigan Monster, which we'll talk about in a sec, they did The Deeper You Dig, which is a Blu-ray that I picked up after we talked about it on the podcast. That movie's great. It's like a a family, um, a mother, father, daughter team who just like made a movie together, or they've been making movies for like a decade. And this is like their newest one. They've done dramas before that. And The Deeper You Dig is like a horror film. And it's just really good. Very Coen Brothers-like, just beautiful in the way that it's shot. And they're all in the film as well. And the great thing about uh, these Arrow releases is they don't just like dump them onto discs. They provide the context that these films need to be elevated to people just kind of wanting to explore what they are they really they put the same amount of effort into these releases as they do all of their releases whereas you don't really necessarily get that with show factory uh no it's just they just kind of like here's a movie people don't know what this is so we're not going to make an effort but for example uh jesus takes the highway which is a film we talked about that arrow put out there's a critical commentary on it there's the person's previous film same thing with uh, the deeper you dig there's the previous film from the director and the Lake Michigan monster also has a critical commentary on it, as well as two other commentary tracks by the filmmakers. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's really awesome that they're getting into this a little more and kind of like giving smaller, younger filmmakers just a chance to like just a platform to be able to show their work that they would never but if really i had to take before. a guess mark i would say they're probably not selling so good at basically yeah videos. well that's the other issue is these ones don't always sell very well only because people don't really know what they are and i was like oh lake michigan monster is out oh it's in the sale only st- uh, section this time yeah the problem is i try and open when it comes to new movies i want to be able to rent as many as possible and try and have them out there give them a chance problem with the arrow ones is only because they are such like collector's items and because they're only on blu-ray and unfortunately that kind of limits the amount of rental monies we can get because a lot of our renters still don't have blu-ray players and if there's no dvd of it that kind of insanity (laughs) we haven't talked about that in a long time but like holy moly it's still true though and honestly that's the thing if it's just a blu-ray unless it's like a huge huge title and if it's just a blu-ray might not always make that money back and especially with arrow because they are a little pricier like you're basically you're just losing money as soon as you open it up so you know and like with the deeper you dig with jesus shows you the way to the highway i opened both of those up because yeah i thought like they should be seen i want people to see them we haven't even been close to making our money back on those maybe jesus shows you the way a little bit more because i've been trying to like push it as much as possible just because i haven't seen the deeper you dig yet but yeah, it's just really, it's a lot harder to make that money back. So with Lake Michigan Monster, I was kind of humming and hawing over it when it came out. I was looking it up. I just thought it was maybe a little too niche. 
to be able to make money back. And unfortunately, I think you're the only person who's bought a copy of this, Justin. Ah, you know, it's a tough sell because, like, you look at the title and you would expect there to be the monster on the cover, but there isn't, and for a specific reason. Yeah, exactly. Well, do you want to set this movie up then? Uh, yeah, so the movie is a black and white Guy Madden-esque, even though it doesn't stick to the style of a Guy Madden movie. Kind of adult swim style comedy about a sea captain who gets a group of people together to take out the Great Lake, uh, I said it again, Great Lake Michigan, Lake Michigan monster that killed his father. And it's basically just kind of like a series of rapid fire jokes until it just breaks down into complete surrealism. And it's clear that the director slash star was left to his own devices and had no one to act with him anymore. So it's him in front of a green screen doing stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is very Guy Madden-esque at first, for sure. That was like just what I thought of. Um, it also, you know, having just watched uh, Scary Tales last week, there was a bit of that like regional sort of like, you know, friends hanging out in the, in the park or something, making a movie sort of it vibe does, to it. Especially within the first 15 minutes, it's like, oh, it's my funny friend trying to be funny. Yeah, there's <laughs> like... definitely like an arch sort of self-awareness to it. But that doesn't necessarily turn me off. I mean, yeah, it definitely had a vibe that something like the American Astronaut has had kind of in the past, um, something like that mixed with kind of, you know, the Guy Madden stuff I think is a little more like elevated art house kind of stuff, whereas this definitely is trying to be more of like an entertaining ride. Um, I I definitely, I don't know, did you like this I film? liked it. I think I was more uh, warm to it near the end than at the beginning where I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> It's just, like, so in-your-face. It's structured almost like it feels like it started as a short film, and they went, let's make this longer. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I feel I feel you on that. I definitely came to appreciate it more as it went on. I thought, yeah, like you said, you are you were telling me I wasn't going to like this. And, yeah, from the opening, you know, ten minutes or so, I was like... <laughs> I, I know Mark's taste. Like, it's the kind of movie that thinks that, like, saying somebody's name in a funny accent is funny, and it's like, it's not funny, yeah, man. Stop doing that's it. That's the thing. It kind of gave me the sense, like, the the lead guy in it who, who's got the greatest name, Rylan Brixen Cole Twos, who wrote, directed, stars in this. Um, it just kind of made me think, like, he was... This guy was just kind of an annoying ass. <laughs> but... And may maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe he's cool. And... But as it went on and... It definitely has a ton of crazy energy to it that I love. It is love. so energetic. You will not you will not see any movie like this this year in the last five oh, years. Oh, totally. And yeah, like you said, like the climax is just like off the rails. It just the, the and the effects. <laughs> the climax is so like there's a ghost army <laughs> that has to fight the the monster. There's some you know what near the end there's some really funny uh, jokes as well where it's like the waiting game begins. And by that, I mean checkers. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, they do have some good, like, kind of wordplay jokes in it that I definitely admire. Um, and, yeah, I was just, like, really blown away by the look and feel of it, the effects work in it. For apparently, I think they only spent, like, what, $7,000 on this movie or oh, something? Oh, yeah, this is, like, a one-man thing. And I'm sure he worked on it for, like, five years to get it done. You definitely get the sense from that. I think that... Uh, yeah, because it's structured so weird and it feels like it starts in the middle of the second act. And then, like, it doesn't it doesn't really have anywhere to 
go from there that it only starts to work for me when it gets like really surreal and out there. It, it was hard for me to be able to like get into the characters or anything. It was more what I enjoyed about it. Yeah, it was more just kind of the vibe and the look and the effects and that kind of feel to it. The story itself and the characters like, yeah, you're supposed to kind of you know, grow attached to this, like, ragtag group of... Are you, though? Because they just disappear at the end of the second act. They just kind of disappear. <laughs> I feel like you were supposed to kind of get attached to them at the beginning, and it just wasn't really happening for me. Like, as opposed to something... I mean, you can kind of, like, compare it to something like Don't Let the River Beast Get You, which has a similar sort of regional creature feature vibe. I mean, totally different stories and approaches and everything. But... I feel like there was more there's more humanity there's more there's more that I could get attached to in don't let the river be sketch you than I could to in this because I felt it was a little too removed like there was a bit of a a remove between it because I guess of the style and the kind of self-awareness to it where I don't know there there wasn't the sincerity that I sometimes that I kind of need for these from these movies to like really get me like even comparing it to scary tales last week there's more sincerity I guess in something like that than something like this not to say this is necessarily bad or anything it's not like it is truly a feat of independent filmmaking no question. I just don't know how it's not really going. I can't imagine it sticking with me like like a motor media film will, for example. I just wish there was a, like a monster in it. <laughs> like if there was a monster in it, like it would be an easier sound. Yeah, exactly. for people. It's just like you just got to have a high tolerance, I guess, for this guy in it. Like the this this lead guy. You got to love this guy, Mr. Mr. Ryland Brixen Cole, too. So if you like him and you think he's funny in the first like five minutes, then you're going to have a ball with this because it's like really all him just trying to be funny. If you're not so into that vibe, I feel like... I guess maybe, like, the second half when he's by himself, it's because he talks less. Like, <laughs> I don't have to listen to his accent anymore. Yeah, there was just more to look at, I guess. There was more eye candy for me to take in in the second half than there was in the first half, which was just, like, really trying to self-consciously be, like, this specific kind of, like, funny movie that just... Yeah, kind of like something you'd find, again, on, like, Adult Swim. I guess it's like a real, like, Astron 6 energy is what they're they're kind of going and for. And I guess the thing is, it's like, there's just been... Maybe, like, at one point this would have felt fresh, but there's just been so many movies like this and TV shows like this and Adult Swim. I feel like this kind of thing is almost, like, gone mainstream at this point. That even the it just feels kind of familiar, even though it's like a totally independent work, and there was like a ton of. Effort I would say that it. like if you like a good example of um, something that's like crazy and wild, but is still centered in like humanity is Mango Shake uh, does that stuff. Yeah. Uh, where the director, Terry Chu, like, it's crazy and wacky and all over the place and high energy, but then he, like, also grounds things in the emotions of the characters who are going through these wacky things. And, yeah, so I am recommending a film that Golden Ninja Video put out. Buy it now at Bay Street Video. Which we have on the shelf, so, you know, come and get that <laughs> God damn it, Mark is like, I opened this Blu-ray. I know, please, come on and rent it. See, Mango Shake, I, well, that's the thing. Mango Shake, I opened for rental only on Blu-ray. And, you know, it just cuts down the renter i still don't even think we've made back the rental cost on it so come on people please come in and rent some great you know regional 
Toronto area. Oh, that is not a Toronto area film. That is a Montreal area film. Oh, you're right. Why do I always th- I always think it's like Richmond Hill or something, but I think I'm thinking of somebody else. Yeah. Uh, maybe because it's in English as well. And you're like, Montreal and in English. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Compute. I would still recommend Lake Michigan Monster with caveats to the person I'm recommending it to. To be like, if this interests you, and then I would explain what it is, check it out. But... Yeah, uh, it is like when you hear like Michigan Monster, I think, you know what? I, when I heard about it, I was like, oh, God, I don't want like a lost skeleton of cadaver kind of thing. And it's not that, which did make me happy. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. For me, I would probably not recommend it. But I also would say that it's like it's really awesome that this kind of a movie is getting this sort of deluxe treatment. So like I I think if I were this filmmaker, I would be like over the moon about this kind of release. And for the record, I knew Mark would not recommend it. And I said, please, we have to find something else. And there's nothing on this list. I suggested The Veil. You didn't want to watch The Veil. (laughs) Uh, I believe you said, I watched the first half of The Veil, Justin. It's real bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right, so... In this little section, because we're still a little short than our regular episodes, and people are like, how dare they not do a whole hour of my free list? Yeah, how dare they? You know what? I'm going to have a contest, and it's going to be the same contest. I'm going to put up a prize. I have the newest (laughs) issue of Fangoria. They sent me two for some reason. If you come to Bay Street Video and say, hey, can I have the issue of Fangoria for free? Mark or whoever is there will give it to you. Yeah, I'll make good on that. I'll make sure it's sitting here ready for the first person who wants to come in and claim it. There you go. Also, as far as stuff that like Mark has sold me on or that I've been in the store and been like, ooh, I talked about this on the podcast and I don't know what this is. I picked up uh, Starfish, which was released by Altered Innocence. And Ooh, how is that? It's I don't think it completely works, but I think you would like it because it's like a weird mixture of kind of like indie by yourself cinema mixed in with like apocalyptic high concept. Uh, the filmmakers biting off way more that they can chew, but they're also thinking about this really hard. It's mostly like one woman. Uh, after uh, she goes home and a friend committed suicide, she wakes up the next morning and discovers that like aliens have invaded. And that sounds like very sci-fi movie-ish. It's not. She finds out that like her friend was working on a project and she needs to go find tapes that like will play a signal that will hopefully make the monsters go away. But it's like very like elevated, like almost A24 ish. And also very like meta and weird ways. At one point, it straight up turns into like an anime music video animated by like, you know, an actual Japanese studio. Uh, and the Blu ray is great because it's the director just kind of like wrestling with the fact that he made this movie when he was in a very difficult part in his life and he has regrets of how the movie is. He's like, I should have cut 15 more minutes out of this film. And I agree with him, (laughs) but (laughs) as like a fascinating package, I would definitely highly recommend this film. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Altered in I really love the package for this that they put out. And I did really want to see this film when we first got it in even back on DVD beforehand and uh, just never caught up with it or anything. But, I, but that's definitely one that fell through the cracks. I think its name is a little generic too. 
So, um, but yeah, would recommend if people want something weird and definitely from like an individualist artist. Have you seen anything new on DVD or Blu-ray lately that you have not talked about on the show, Mark? I only watch DVDs and Blu-rays for this podcast. So <laughs> That's all you watch. I know. And reality television. Uh, in terms of, you know, a general re- uh, rental recommendation that I might throw out there, I watched, uh, God, it's probably about a month or so ago now, but I watched uh, Charlie Ahern's Wild Style for the first time recently. Have you ever seen that film? Ooh, nope. Really cool. I mean, it's definitely it's kind of like a portrait of the, the early 80s graffiti scene uh, and early hip hop scene. Um, basically, yeah, it's kind of an iconic film, um, but I just never gotten around to watching this and I just took it out for the first time. And it is excellent. Not only it basically I thought it was a documentary, but it's actually, again, more of like a documentary. It's basically got real people sort of playing themselves in sort of a fictional setup. There's not a ton of plot to it. It's just about like a graffiti artist who is like a was a real big graffiti artist at the time basically just like living his life and uh his friend uh, his promoter is trying to get a show off the hip-hop show off the ground it just kind of you just wander through the streets of like early 80s um new york uh, it is really really excellent stuff the guy who made it charlie ahern was like big in like the kind of underground art scene in new york at that time he also made a uh, cool like DIY martial arts movie earlier. Oh, I have seen Deadly that Art movie. Of Survival, which I did actually pick up on DVD after seeing this. I haven't watched it yet, but it was put out by Brink Vision DVD. So if you're, which is available, we, we don't have it at the store, but we can easily order it in. Um, so yeah, if you've, I haven't watched that yet, but I hear that one's really cool. I too. also watched Ghost Story Anthology, the uh, Denis Cote film we talked about last week, and it was excellent. Um, I think we just breezed past it. Mark said that he liked it. It's a 16 millimeter film about a town dealing with the death of a young man who they believe committed suicide and just a weird supernatural occurrence happens. And then, yeah, the people just kind of, you know, they all have a reaction to it and then the movie's over. (laughs) It's more of like a sketch than I would say like a fully formed story, but it's so lived in and beautiful looking and it has its own mood that I think it's something that people kind of like let fall away from their radar, which I would recommend checking out, especially if you live in Canada and like during the winter, this is the perfect movie to watch. And if you come from a shitty small town like I do, oh boy, is this thing going to be familiar? Yeah, oh, totally. And I mean, that's the thing about it being, yeah, like a sketch. I feel like that's kind of the what Denny Cote's films are always sort of like. They're just kind of like these sketches that are filled out by kind of interesting people. Um, so yeah, if you, if you don't like, if you haven't seen many Denny Cote, I feel like he still goes under the radar, even though he's been making films for a long time now, I would highly recommend any of his films. I know we rent a bunch of them at the store um, and they're all very good. He goes between documentary and fiction. Um, and yeah, they're just really, really cool cool movies and i also watched i don't remember what prompted it but an elephant sitting still the big four hour uh fictional film made uh by a chinese filmmaker who unfortunately committed suicide before its release played the festival circuit came out to blu-ray don't really hear many people talk about it it didn't really you know it's four hours long and it seems really difficult but it's not it's so much fun Okay, that's a hard that's a hard <laughs> saying of fun, but uh, yeah, I I really loved it when I watched it's it. It's really sad that the filmmaker did die. I mean, I read he definitely had problems with depression, um, and you can definitely see this in the film as well. Uh, but it is really you do get the sense we're being being deprived of like a really great new voice in cinema because he does so much with this film. And I saw this at the F- Toronto Film Festival, I guess two years ago now, whenever it premiered. 
And I was a little like hesitant going in, sit down for this four hour move movie because there was no intermission or anything. It was just like, you're here for four hours. <laughs> you're here forever. No, seriously. And it was a 930 in the morning screening. Yeah. Too, no, so the, was... They always do that. They do it on purpose because they don't want people to go. I know. But you know what? I didn't feel a second of the length. Oh, it no, just like so, it honestly yeah. breezed by. It was one of my favorite movies of the festival that year. So we definitely stocked that. It uh, was put out by uh, Kim's. I believe on Blu-ray and they don't usually do Blu-rays either so this was cool that they actually put out a Blu-ray usually they just do DVDs um, so yeah highly highly recommend alright that so that's for it sure. for the Bay Street Video Podcast we'll probably have more recommendations of Christmas stuff because the holiday season's coming up and we need that Bay Street Video business yeah, you 300 listeners up. that listen to this podcast we expect you all to buy something yes please buy our I'll be stocking the shelves with Christmas movies soon so you know what give us your recommendations too I'll, I'm eager to bring in new Christmas titles I haven't heard I'll of. be home for Christmas do you sell a lot of Jingle All The Way uh, not as many as I would like <laughs> I watch that movie every single year. I love oh, it's that a classic. movie. Yeah, uh, but we do. I always make make sure to have that on the shelf when uh, Christmas time comes. Okay, so until next week, my name is Justin Clue. and I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying and keep on renting. The Veil. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Why, Kino? Please, somebody tell me. Somebody tell me why.